The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Stark. He's the principal at the Stark Companies, which is a real estate-related company uh, based in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, the website to find out more about what we're going to be talking about today is freelandlending.com. Welcome to the show, Brian. So great to be with you, Jordan. Thank you so much. Well, let's start with your background a little bit and uh, basically what, what your company does in the real estate area. Sure. Well, my background is uh, very interesting. Uh, a large part of my background has nothing to do with real estate at all, and I think it's actually germane to what we're going to be talking about today because I was a florist for many years. I bet you didn't even know that, Jordan. I did not know that, no. Yep. I uh, had a retail and wholesale flower shop, which uh, kept me very busy. It was a lot of fun. It was very lovely, very nice dealing with customers, Valentine's Day, not getting any sleep for two and a half straight days, uh, selling thousands of roses and nice plants and all that good stuff. And I had an opportunity to uh, sell the company. I didn't know anything about business. I was just running a couple of flower shops. Eventually, we had five stores. And uh, to make a long story short, we sold the company to a local grocery store chain many years ago. And um, we're looking for something to do. Well, I heard that uh, more millionaires were made in real estate than in any other industry. And I started investigating the real estate business. And I ended up landing in real estate. I did some consulting. I tried a bunch of different things. And um, I ended up starting to invest in real estate, buying houses and small commercial properties little by little. And um, to make a very long story short, uh, I used all the money that I had, used all the money that I could uh, borrow from friends and family, and I used John D. Rockefeller's old vertical integration idea. You know, as you may know, John D. Rockefeller and many of the men of his era uh, liked the idea of owning all the businesses that supplied all the things they needed. So Rockefeller owned the barrel company that made the barrels to carry the oil. So I figured if we're running out of money to buy property, I better get in the money-getting business. So I found a way to start a private real estate lending company because I figured if I'm lending money, I'm sure enough going to have all the money I need to do the deals I want to do. And I ultimately ended up becoming a private direct real estate lender. Um, I've now underwritten, originated, sold, and serviced uh, almost 2,000 real estate loans over the course of a couple different companies that I've had with different partners. I've been a partner in a couple private equity funds. Uh, we've raised well over $120 million dollars. We're in the process of raising a new fund now, um, and I love educating and teaching people about the real estate business itself and the capital raise side and the opportunity uh, that we have amazing opportunity now to earn double-digit returns in the real estate and money lending business, uh, specifically with real estate as collateral. Why is it so good right now? Because interest rates are low and uh, returns people can earn are higher than in CDs and money funds? 
Well, that's one reason, Jordan, and that's a very good point. But one of the reasons it's so good is supply and demand. Real estate investors who uh, need money to buy properties, particularly houses to rehab and sell, have very few places to go to get it. And we're going to talk a little later in the show not just about real estate uh, lending being a great opportunity, but in most areas of small and medium-sized business, it's very hard for the business person to go down to the corner bank, to go over to the big bank downtown and walk in and say, hey, I have a pretty good business, I have a pretty good model, why don't you lend me a half a million dollars? They can walk in, but they'll walk right back out. So there's a space. I always say money, Jordan, flows into every crack in the sidewalk. So the banks are doing a great job of attracting capital. They're specifically getting an awful lot of money from the federal government, and they're doing what with it? They're holding on to it. They're not lending it to those of us out here uh, in the real world that actually need it to make our businesses grow, to open restaurants, to buy six-suite apartment buildings, to buy houses, to rehab them and sell them, to uh, keep our small manufacturing plants going, to open car dealerships. They're not making a lot of those loans. So there's a real opportunity for private lenders, people of high net worth or people who know how to <clears throat> find people of high net worth, put them together in some sort of a legal structure and arrange for that capital to be lent to people that will put it to meaningful use. So at the Stark Companies, you deal on both sides. You deal with people who want to do real estate deals with you and you deal with people who want to invest in real estate deals. Is that right? So describe a little bit about the actual services people get at the Stark Companies. Sure, that's great. Um, first of all, uh, we work with real estate investors and make loans to them. Um, our company, Freeland Lending, and I, I love to say hello to all my Freeland Lending borrowers and students from Strategic Real Estate Coach who are listening um, all over the country. Uh, our students become borrowers of ours. They learn how to buy real estate, how to buy houses, rehab them and sell them, uh, and make a 30, 35% profit, gross profit on those transactions and how to create a business around doing that. And then they turn to our lending company, Freeland Lending, for the loan that they need to buy those houses, rehab them and sell them or small commercial properties. Uh, we have a unique product because our borrowers are students of our education and anyone can become a student. They have to go through a nice training product process. Um, we can lend them all the money they need to buy and all the money they need to rehab a property um, and put it back on the market and meaningfully sell it. Uh, so that's one side. But of course, the other side of our business is we arrange for people that have capital, people that are sitting with a pile of money that they've maybe earned over time, money that's in their IRA. IRA investment is huge right now. Um, or just excess capital in a business, for example, to be invested and earn 13, 14, 15% annualized returns, basically funding those very loans that we make to real estate investors. And then you take a fee on both sides to arrange for the financing or to arrange for the loans? Well, we operate a private equity fund, Jordan, so uh, let, me, let me describe it to you this way. We have a number of companies. We have a company called Freeland Lending. When Freeland Lending makes a loan, it gets fees for making the loan. Where does Freeland Lending get the money? It gets the money by selling its notes or the loans that it has just created to the Freeland Fund. Freeland Fund is a private equity fund that's structured with the SEC according to the SEC's laws. And we, of course, do earn a profit by operating the fund. But our investors get the first 8% return. And by the way, we just declared a six, almost 6.25% six return per quarter, so about a 25% annualized return. 
Um, so our investors get the first 8%, but we split 50-50 after that. So our investors are earning about 15% a year, and we earn some money too because we are creating the structure where they can invest their money and earn a nice return. So yes, we make money on the money, and we make money on the lending and the servicing. The servicing is a big piece, and that's probably where the, the rubber meets the road other than underwriting, keeping the borrowers on track, helping make sure that they do the right thing, making sure we don't pay out too much rehab money as rehab draws are called for and so on. So the people who are investing in the private equity fund, are those only accredited investors or can anybody go into that fund? Well, different funds have different structures and that's a very insightful question. Um, it depends what kind of a fund you have and it's, it depends uh, what kind of an SEC registration you have. In our particular fund, we accept accredited and unaccredited investors. An accredited investor being defined as someone as an individual with a uh, million dollar net worth, a $200,000 annual income, uh, and, and a million dollar net worth not including their private residence or a couple with a $300,000 annual income or an expectation of having that income this year. Um, but we have unaccredited, unaccredited investors as well. So we do have some people, and look, we have some accredited investors, some multimillionaires who start out with us with twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. We have some unaccredited investors, people who have a total net worth of maybe two, three hundred thousand dollars uh, including their personal residents who choose to invest $10,000 with us or $20,000. And that's fine. They want to come along and get in for the ride and earn some nice money on a small amount of their investable capital, that's fantastic. We're happy to work with them. Very good. Let's start kind of with the overall sense of the marketplace in real estate now. I mean, interest rates are very low. Right. In general, home sales have been pretty strong. Home prices have been rising. Right. Uh, is, is this the beginning of a long uh, bull market in uh, real estate, or what is your sense? I know it depends lo locally where it is, but overall, is this a beginning of a long-term trend in housing right now? Yeah, this is a this is a. If I knew absolutely knew the answer, I'd be on your side of the microphone. Um, but uh, I, I think the answer is we don't know. I think my answer, my personal answer, is it's going to depend a little bit about, on what goes on with the with the uh, presidential election. But in the long run, I think real estate is cyclical. I think um, things can only go bad for so long in this country because at the end of the day, we make things in the United States of America. We make things and we sell an awful lot of services. And anybody can say, oh, you know, we're, we're not doing it here anymore. China this, uh, you know, Asia that, whatever. It doesn't matter. We still make an awful lot of stuff here and we still sell an awful lot of oil and an awful lot of movies and an awful lot of music product and an awful lot of accounting services and an awful lot of clothing and, all, and washing machines and all sorts of things to people all over the world. And we're going to continue to do that. And an awful lot of technology, and an awful lot of bioscience um, and medical services, we're going to continue to do that. And so eventually people are going to get jobs and things go in cycles. That's my layman's non-economist view of things. Um, so I think we got to about as low a point uh, in the housing market as we're likely to see in our lifetime, Jordan, and I don't think there is a bubble about to happen. I think we are in the midst of a nice, stable, sensible recovery, which is going to continue little by little. I don't think we're going to see an explosion except in certain micro markets. You know, you see obviously Manhattan is going crazy again, San Francisco, whatever. But uh, in the broad brushstroke overview of the American real estate market, I think we're seeing a nice, steady growth. Home prices are recovering. Um, we're seeing a decrease in the volume of foreclosures going forward. 
we're seeing uh, we're seeing a little bit of easing in the bank's lending policy. So more and more homeowners are able to get a mortgage. Uh, I don't see us returning anytime soon to this sort of crazy idea where anybody can get a mortgage as long as they can fog a mirror. Come on in and we'll find a way to get you a loan. We're not seeing that. And that's one of the reasons that there's a great opportunity to invest your money in loans to real estate investors because it's very hard to get a loan. And so there's an awful po- lot of people who need a loan. Look, I just got a call today from a, a CPA, an accountant who makes nice money, who wants to borrow $40,000 to buy a piece of property uh, because he's a little bit short to buy a property that he's picking up for three hundred. that's going to be worth 500 when he does some work. And he's an accountant and he can't go to the bank and get money. I mean, yeah, if it, you, you hear this all the time. You hear this all yeah, the time. So yeah. the strategy. We're, after the break, we're going to talk about your strategies in some detail. But if the economy did turn down, we had another two thousand eight, two thousand nine period. Would your strategies still work, or they would be in trouble if people had the values falling uh, sharply, like in, in those days? All strategies need to be adjusted for the times, but our strategies work all the time. No matter, even if things, even if values turn down, it's not, not going to affect your strategies negatively. It's not going to affect our strategies negatively, but of course, real estate is not something you buy and sell like a stock. You can't buy a house on Tuesday and sell it on Thursday unless you're in the business of of flipping, so to speak, very quickly. Our borrowers buy houses, rehab them, which takes several months, sell them, which takes another several months, uh, or rehab them and hold them for rent, which takes 10, 20, 30 years till they're ready to be liquidated. So if the values go down dramatically, we have a problem. However, we lend in a situation where the purchase price plus rehab doesn't exceed 65%, roughly two-thirds of the after-repaired value. So we didn't see too many markets where very many houses dropped by 30 40%, dropped in value by 30 40%, except stuff that we all knew had been crazily uh, overinflated to begin with. So our strategies still work, and you can still be safe in the sort of things we do. And we can go into that after your break, sure. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this, this uh, week is Brian Stark. He's the principal at the Stark Companies. A uh, website to find out more about him and his companies is freelandlending.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Stark. He's the principal at Freeland Lending. Website you can find out more about his activities is freelandlending.com. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you so much, Gordon. Great being with you. So let's go to some of the specific strategies that you can help people first uh, in order to profit in various ways. The first one is to buy houses, rehab them, and sell them. So kind of take us through the process and how you would help people do that strategy and what kind of returns they should expect to return on something like that. Sure. So, Jordan, I think this is the third oldest business in the, in the world. We won't go into the first and the second. Um, people have been buying properties that other people didn't need or didn't want from don't-wanters, from highly motivated sellers since the beginning of time. I think there's a guy who bought a cave way back in, uh, you know, at, at zero sometime. <laughs> and he rehabbed it as well, yes? <laughs> Probably did, made it into a lovely new cave. Absolutely. <laughs> dragged a girl by the hair and dragged her right in. That was part of the rehabbing, yes. Okay. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Used an axe and a piece of uh, flint. Anyway, um, we, we teach a model where uh, we tell you that you should be buying in a situation where you can purchase and rehab a property for 65% of the realistic saleable after repaired value. So uh, it doesn't matter what the ratio of purchase and rehab is. The point is, if you look at a pie, like a nice piece of cherry pie that you'll be enjoying or apple pie that you'll be enjoying at Thanksgiving pretty soon or pumpkin pie, we all know what the slice of a pie looks like, that nice triangular thing. Well, imagine two-thirds of that pie uh, being devoted to the purchase price plus the rehab, uh, and that's all eaten up already. Now there's a nice big third of the pie left. That's the big chunky piece that you hope your brothers and sisters leave for you after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, that's the part that you get to eat. Um, now, of course, out of that piece comes carrying costs, taxes, a little bit of closing costs and stuff, but it still leaves about 20, 22% in most deals after all the expenses are over. It's a nice formula, Jordan, that you can easily get used to. Buy and rehab a property for about two-thirds of what you can sell it for, and you're almost always going to have a deal that works. If you're in a metropolitan statistical area or a combined statistical area of at least 100,000 people, Try to work in an area that's pretty good size so that there's plenty of resources, plenty of contractors, plenty of realtors, plenty of buyers available. Um, this is an activity you can do uh, from your couch. You hardly even have to get up. Now, you can be active. I buy and rehab houses to sell. It's sort of a side business for me. Um, but you can have a, you can build a little team. You can build a little system. Um, 
You just want to do it in areas where there's a likelihood of stability, price stability, or maybe a little bit of growth. You don't want to go in war zones where people are going to steal the ladder off the house while the roofer's on the roof uh, and where they're going to break in late at night. There's money to be made in those areas, but not by rehabbing to try to sell. So the big uh, question for people, I guess, is how to know what realistically the saleable price is going to be and right. realistically what the uh, re renovation costs are going to be because if those are off, this whole strategy isn't going to work. So how is the average person who's not a real estate expert going to know the correct appraisal value and rehab costs? Well, one way they can learn those things, obviously, is they can purchase some real estate education online. And I'm not going to plug any one particular education product, but obviously our students use one of ours. Uh, and that's going to lead them to coaching that will teach them a lot of those products. But, you know, to give a little bit of that uh, information now, I can just say, Use some of the basic free internet tools. There's RealtyTrack, there's Zillow, there's uh, HubZoo. There's a whole lot of products that allow you to get a pretty good idea what a property is worth. But I teach people this. If you're going to get into the business of buying houses or any kind of property to rehab and sell, start by working within a mile square area of your house or your work, where you go to work. Put a pin in the map and take a little piece of string and make a circle. Uh, that's not a square. Uh, make a circle and keep it about a mile. That's your farm. Define your farm and then farm your farm. You pretty much know what properties are worth within a mile of where you live, wherever that may be. So, you know, if you live in a neighborhood where three-bedroom, bath-and-a-half houses are selling for about 150 chances are another three-bedroom, bath-and-a-half house uh, is going to sell for 150 165 145 And if you look at Realtor.com and see what houses have been so have sold for within uh, that general area, you might say, oh, well, that's a better street, that's near the school, so or the that's reason, kind of... The reason you can buy it for two-thirds off of that regular price is because it needs renovation. Is that the idea? That's right. You're going to add that extra value. And needing renovation is one reason you can buy for two-thirds off, but the other reason is that there are motivated sellers who have some kind of a reason they need to sell. Now, Jordan, I'm going to give you a quiz. Tell me the class of seller that you think today is the largest kind of motivated seller that exists in America today. Well, Highly motivated seller. Who, who or what do you think is the most motivated seller of residential properties that exists in America today? Somebody's going to lose their house to foreclosure who can't afford their mortgage payments. Well, that's a very interesting question, and that's the second most motivated seller. The biggest most motivated seller in America today is not what anybody would think. It's a bank. Banks mm. are highly motivated sellers. Banks are in that line that you just described. They get that house when somebody loses it to foreclosure, and guess what? Banks don't want your house. Banks don't want any houses. They want money. They want checks. They want payments. They want to own debt, and they want to sell that debt. If they acquire a house in foreclosure, they are highly motivated because a house doesn't do anything but cost them money. So banks are selling tens of thousands of houses every year, and you can buy them at tremendous discounts right from realtors. So when they – these are so-called REOs, right? Real estate owned by banks. Exactly right. Um, but they don't – if they sell too many houses at a loss, they're hitting their profit sheet, right? They're going to be taking – realizing losses. So that's why they can't sell too many at once, right? Well, yes and no. I, I think that there's an awful lot of truth to that, Jordan. But also remember that banks typically don't have more than 5 to 
uh, default rate on consumer mortgages, even in the worst economic times. I think the consumer default rate was about 6 maybe 7% on mortgages. So that still tells us that 93 94% of homeowners, even during the crash, were paying their mortgage on time, didn't default. So if they take a loss on some, it's not going to hit their balance sheet too badly. And also remember, in many cases, in most cases, frankly, and this is sort of the, the guts behind the reason for the crash in the first place, a lot of the mortgages that uh, that were originated, especially during the crash, were sold to private investor groups, to large hedge funds, to the sovereign wealth fund, to you know huge family offices. The banks don't actually own a lot of these mortgages anymore. In fact, they're actually making money servicing the defaulted mortgages. They're actually getting paid for calling you and saying, hey, are you going to pay? Are you going to pay? Are you going to pay? And when you don't pay, then they get money to foreclose and they get money to go through the whole process and eliminate the asset. So, so in many so cases, gonna, they're not actually losing money at all. So if you want to require houses either directly from homeowners who are facing foreclosure or motivated sellers or the REOs from banks, uh, are you saying you to do it yourself or get a realtor? How, how would you, and particularly if it's not in that one square mile around you, if it's sure. outside it's, that, how, how do you go about finding good deals? Well, first of all, we coach people to put a little system together. We're not going to say... Just uh, hang up the, uh, you know, turn off the radio when you're done listening to Jordan, then just go buy a house. You have to build a business here. This is not something you do casually, investing fifty, a hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a piece of real estate. So first of all, pick the area where you think you're going to invest because you're going to be there geographically and you have a sort of a feel for what the value is. Number two, uh, get yourself aligned with a little team of people. You don't have to hire them and put them on salary, but a team that will be incentivized to make money every time you do a transaction. So a realtor that's going to be your acquisitions manager. Even if your acquisitions only amount to two acquisitions a year, they can also be your dispositions manager. They can also be the person that helps you sell the house after it's all rehabbed, launch the house, make it beautiful, make it fabulous. We can talk about a launch formula maybe on another show to really launch the thing into full price sale. But uh, you need a good realtor to help you find those deals who's going to be incentivized. I give my realtors more than commission. I give them an extra bonus. Uh, I also treat them to nice basketball games and dinners and stuff like that. They know when they find me a deal, they're going to get extra money. Um, so they know what to find, and they know that if the deal works, they're going to be able to sell me more houses. Uh, I, I highly advise using a realtor. But, of course, we also teach 25 strategies for finding highly motivated sellers. Believe it or not, Jordan, in every neighborhood, there are houses that you wouldn't believe people will sell for half price, two-thirds price, sitting right under your nose because little do we know it's been inherited by somebody who lives halfway across the country and they don't want it. Somebody in the family needs money and that house is owned free and clear. They're willing to sell the house at a loss or at a great discount to get money. Uh, somebody is tired of you know keeping it up and it's actually been a rental for the last five years. There's many, many reasons people sell at a discount. So once you buy it, and again, say you're an average investor and you're not expert in renovation. How do you find a general contractor who's going to do the renovation for you? Well, it's easy to get ripped off. I will say this is something that takes a little bit of a uh, little bit of careful guidance. Uh, one thing you can do is go to your local real estate investors association (REIA) meetings. Go to a couple, three of their meetings and ask around who's good. You can also use Angie's List. You can also go to Craigslist. Uh, but I, I always recommend that you find a good general contractor, give them all your work, and keep them as busy as you can. Ask your realtor who do they recommend, who do they trust. Be careful because realtors tend to use retail-priced uh, contractors. But we also teach 25 ways to find excellent contractors. Go to Home Depot at 6.30 in the morning or 7 in the morning or go to a big supply house, a plumbing supply or, 
or a uh, lumber mill and see who's showing up with a nice clean van at seven in the morning. Those are the guys you want. Uh, so, and then after you've done that, if you purchase that, you want to put together what you call a closing team. Who would be part of the closing team? Well, definitely uh, your realtor, who's your disposition, excuse me, your dispositions manager is going to be on that team. This is the person who's going to sell the house, who's going to stage it lightly, who's going to make sure that everybody in the neighborhood knows that there's a house for sale, who's going to make sure to pack the house with a whole bunch of people on the day of the first showing, who's going to make sure to have, uh, you know, dancing bears and flamingos in the front yard, anything that it's, that's necessary to attract attention and get that house full of people. You definitely want a title agent. You definitely want a banker on your team, a mortgage broker on your team. You definitely want uh, the entire team there so that if 40 people show up, there's somebody for every three, four people to take their information to help them decide if it's time for them to make an offer. When you have all these people, there's a sense of urgency, and suddenly people look around and realize, hey, this looks like the house for me. If I don't make an offer, this guy next to me will. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this hour is Brian Stark. Uh, he is the principal at Freeland Lending. Uh, the website to find out more about him and his offerings is freelandlending.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Stark. He's a principal at Freeland Lending. 
Uh, their website is freelandlending.com. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you, Jordan. So we talked about buying houses to rehab them and then sell them for a profit. But the other strategy is to go through everything we just talked about as far as buying them at 65% of real value and then renting them out. What is the strategy involved there? Well, this is the, uh, the fourth oldest business in the world, uh, you know, being a landlord. Um, but we really don't recommend that you be a, a hands-on landlord. You know, anybody listening to this show has uh, enough talent and skill that the last thing they want to do is go knocking on doors and collecting rents and dealing with tenants and toilets. Uh, we recommend that you set up a system. We teach you how to set up a system so that you're going to hire a property manager. They're going to take care of that, and you're going to use your talents for their best and highest use to go out and find more deals, to raise capital, uh, to put your management systems together, to build a business and run your business. So the, the idea here is that you can buy houses right now for 50 cents on the dollar. You can buy small commercial properties for 60, 70 cents on the dollar. You buy those and rehab them for rent, uh, hold them, and obviously now we're seeing some value appreciation in most markets, 2-3% in a lot of markets. So Jordan, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I, I know you always say that sort of thing. Um, you hold a house for 15, 20 years, let your tenants pay you, earn a little bit of cash flow every month. Next thing you know, you turn around and the house is worth double what you have in it from 10, 15 years ago, and you've gotten paid for the last 15 years. How much should you expect to pay the property manager as a percentage of the rent? Uh, properties managers are going to earn 6 to 10% of the gross rent, depending on the area, depending on the size of the rent. Um, it's going to be a little lower in a very high rent environment, a little higher in a very low rent environment. Okay. And you're saying it's worth it to clear up your, not to have to deal with this stuff. They deal with everything for you and, and basically just send you the, the net checks is what it comes down to. That's right? exactly right. But you have to manage your manager. Make sure that they're sending your money on time. Make sure that they're doing the right thing. Watch their uh, watch their repair bills. Make sure that they really are communicating well with your tenants. Like anything else, Jordan, you still have to manage your business. Yeah. All right. So so those are the first two strategies: buying houses to rehab and then sell them, buying houses at a discount to rehab and then you rent them. The third one is actually lending money, which is much more passive. I guess you don't have to be involved. You're not owning any property. Right. What are the pros and cons of lending money? What kind of returns can people earn uh, today? And what kind of liquidity is involved? How long do you have to tie up your money? Well, now you've really tapped into the part of the show that I've been waiting for. This is the this is the thing that excites me the most. The money really is in the money. You know, you can get your hands dirty, you can go buy houses, you can have tenants, you can have property, but there's a reason that the biggest buildings downtown in every city are owned by banks because banks are in the business of acquiring capital at a certain rate and lending it out for a little bit more, earning what we call the spread. They usually banks usually only earn two to four percent or two to four points of spread on the money they lend out, and yet they make billions and billions of dollars. There's a reason that they make so much money because lending money is an extraordinarily profitable business. Now, I'm not all about making money. I mean, I like to do good things in the world. I like to be a good person. I like to help people. But think about it: when you aggregate some capital, when you take maybe your own money and the the money that you can raise from a few other people, or if you have no money, money that you raise in a private equity fund or a little private offering, and put that money together and lend it to people. You're helping yourself, you're helping the people who are investing the money to make a terrific return, and you're making capital available to people who have no other place to get access to that capital so they can better their lives, they can better feed their families, they can realize their dreams. I really believe if it's done responsibly, lending money is one of the great businesses of history. Um, 
it's a pretty simple model. Aggregate some capital, and there are, it, it gets complicated when we describe how, and turn around and find a place where it's needed and responsibly deploy it into that space at a low loan-to-value ratio with careful structure. What, what is the maximum loan-to-value that you normally would lend on these properties? Uh, on real estate property, I like to lend no more than 65, 70% loan-to-value, LTV we call it, but yeah. this is a ratio of the loan amount we make to the realistic after-repaired value of the property. So we're not going to lend as a combination of the purchase price and rehab more than 65 or 70% of what the property will be worth when the project is all done. And we hold the rehab money back, Jordan. We pay it out a little bit at a time as the rehab is finished. So we're not sitting here giving a check to the borrower and say, we hope you finish the rehab. We're saying, here's $50,000 to buy the house. We pay that right to the seller. The borrower owns the property. And then we say, we're holding another 50 for you to do your rehab. Now go do a little bit of it and call us. And when you do, we're going to send you five or we're going to send you eight. Uh, and then do some more and call us. And when you do, we're going to inspect, of course, and verify. And then we're going to send you five or eight more. And we'll go that way till the project's done. Now we've deployed 65 or 70 and the house is worth 100. All along the way, we had a little bit of what's called equity. That's the difference between the value and the amount that we've extended. That equity is what keeps it safe. It's kind of like a buffer. So you're doing this for people. In other words, they don't have to go out and do the underwriting themselves and uh, inspect the property to see how the rehab's going. This is something that the Stark companies will do for people. Is that right? That's exactly right. We have investors from all over the world who invest money with us uh, in our private equity fund or in what we call one-off deals. They come to us and say, well, I'm not sure I want to be in your fund, but I've got fifty dollars or $100,000 and I'll invest in an individual deal. Send me some deals and I'll pick which one I like as they come along. And uh, we do the underwriting. We do the origination, meaning we have lawyers that create legal loan documents in all different states. Every state is different, by the way, and every deal is different. <clears throat> and um, then we originate the loan. We see to it that the title company is an appropriate title company, that they're licensed and that they're you know, in good standing and that they're not going to steal the money. We originate the loan. Um, and then we service the loan, meaning we receive the payments and send the money to the funding partner. Uh, and we do that, by the way, for investors who invest with us. And we also do that for people um, who wish to deploy their capital into a deal that they have found. So you don't have to be an investor investing money with us necessarily. We underwrite, originate, and service for uh, other investors who just want somebody to manage their deal. But they're bringing the deal to you, in effect. That's right, if they're bringing the deal to us. That's right. Yeah. And what are, the, what are the uh, term lengths of these things? Is it one year, five years? How long does it, you typically have to have tie your money up? Sure. Our deals are, in our fund, money uh, is invested with what we call a lock for two years. So it's a, it's a two-year minimum, minimum investment with a penalty if you need to take your money out early. Individual loans are six-month terms. However, many of our borrowers extend for another six months by paying a little fee, which the funding partner, the investor, earns a portion of. And are these uh, all over the country or mostly where, where you're based in the Cleveland area? All over the country, 48 states. We don't do Hawaii and Alaska at this time. I see. So it's all over. So from the investor's point of view, and exactly what kind of returns should people expect? They're going to tie up their money for two years. They're going to have the security of 65, maximum 70% loan to value. What kind of returns can they expect these days? 
Well, in our uh, in our one-off deals, our investors are getting a 13% fixed return, and we have absolutely no losses whatsoever. We have uh, very little default activity. When we do, we're able internally to resolve it very quickly. So our investors are all earning a 13% fixed return, which is pretty huge. And in our um, in our private equity fund, we're delivering a 15% return, roughly 15, 15 and a quarter, something like that. So on the individual deals. The, the investor is put on the deal in first position directly, and as part of the fund, there's a whole fund of different combined deals. Is that right? I, I'm sorry, Jordan. I had a little signal problem there. Could you answer that? ask that yeah. question again? So on the individual deals, the investor is put on the property in first position. Is that correct? Yes. But that's individual. But then the private equity fund... There's like could be a whole bunch of deals, and they're a, a, a fund holder and as part of a, a general fund. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, in in a fund, the investor owns you what are called units in a fund. They own actual shares, uh, and the investor is an owner pro rata based on the amount of dollars they've invested uh, in the fund. So if it's a um, you know, the, the investor owns a, a pro rata amount of shares in the fund, whatever their uh, investment is, and uh, the fund then owns the notes or owns the investments uh, directly. In the individual deals, the investor uh, owns the first mortgage, and we service it for them. And what is the length of time do you have to hold the fund if you're investing in the fund, not an individual deal? Uh, the fund is a two-year investment, um, and like I said, there's a uh, there's a little penalty for getting out early if an investor needs to get out early. So, what would be the advantage of doing the fund over an individual uh, deal? Is it because it's diversified? They're both well, two years. It sounds like yeah, there's a little the, bit of a higher yield on the private equity fund than it is individual deals. Absolutely, with uh, with the private equity fund, there is a higher yield. First of all, a couple percent more, and there's a much greater diversity of risk. You're not investing in one individual deal. You're investing in a pool, which uh, allows us to spread the risk over many, many, many deals, many millions of dollars of deals, so that uh, even if we have a deal that goes completely bad, one loan out of you know dozens and dozens where you know it takes us four years to get the money back and we can't get any interest or whatever, it has a very, 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 very minimal effect on the fund's overall performance. And in a larger fund, we have the ability to gain leverage uh, we have the ability to actually go out and borrow uh, market rate capital and increase our returns even more. So we expect eventually we can even get beyond 15% for our investors there. So if you were an accredited investor, why would you do an individual deal over the fund, which sounds like it has all these advantages you just mentioned? Some accredited, well, first of all, because uh, all investors are people, as obviously you've learned in your uh, business and in your many years on the radio, Jordan. Uh, investors make personal decisions. They make Choices based on what they like, what they think, how they feel. Uh, you know, we see stocks going up for no apparent reason. Warren Buffett's watching a certain stock and he says, this company sucks and people buy it anyway. Who knows why? Some people look at an individual deal and say, you know, I like 123 Main Street. That looks like a nice house. I'd like to invest in that deal. They just like it. They, they like the feeling that, you know, I, I know where I am. I, I like that. That's a nice brick house. I think that's going to work really well. And there's it's, other it's people the, the specified are, part of it that they like, as opposed to being a part of a fund where they may not know everything going on there. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. And what, from tax purposes, uh, these can be put inside IRAs or outside. If it's outside, the income, I assume, would be considered taxable income to in the year you receive it. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Uh, you mentioned IRAs, and I just have to take a, a second to point out what a remarkable 
uh, situation this is for IRA investors. We work with many, many, many different IRA custodians all over the country. IRA investors find this a, a, just a fantastic way to grow uh, their IRA because if you're earning a 15% return in your IRA, obviously it compounds year after year. So most of our investors reinvest their annualized return and uh, you know you can do the math. You can take a few hundred thousand dollars and double it fairly quickly at those kinds of rates. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Stark. He's a principal at Freeland Lending and their website to find out more about all we've been talking about is freelandlending.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Stark. He's a principal at Freeland Lending, which is based in Cleveland. Uh, Their website is freelandlending.com. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you so much, Jordan. It's really been great uh, talking with you today. Very, well, very... you're bringing a lot of interesting ideas to people they probably don't know about. So one of them is you don't. Have, we've been talking for the most part about residential real estate, rehabbing homes and renting them out and so on. But you're saying there are ways to invest capital in other industries, not retail residential houses. What are some of those industries and how can people want to invest uh, go do that? Well, I, I want to address that, but I, if you don't mind, I want to regress for just a quick second uh, and this is a little off of our map, and I want to just say, you know, a lot of people, especially investors who are a little sophisticated, might be hearing this business about houses and say, "Oh, houses—that's that's for small fries. That's for you know, that's for the little guys. I want to be in these big office buildings." Blah 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 blah. You know, I think at the end of the day, if if people look at the spreadsheet, if people look at the returns that are being earned, uh, and realize that the biggest hedge funds in the country, Blackstone on on down, are buying houses are investing in houses, are putting sidecar funds together to invest in private lenders that are making loans on houses 
everybody is realizing that there is an awful lot of money in the business of buying, rehabbing, and renting and buying, rehabbing, and selling residential property in this country right now. So really, I, I want all, our, all of our listeners to know not to discount the house business. It is a very powerful financial engine. Well, well that's true. But before we get to the other thing, I mean, the average individual is now going to be competing against Blackstone and all these big institutional investors for houses. So that right. makes it more difficult. These guys come in with millions of dollars. They don't need mortgages. You are competing against them. So that seems to be in a certain way kind of a negative. Well, it, it, it is true that those large players are moving the markets to a degree. But, you know, every day, guys like me uh, buy a house here, a house there every, every day. Those guys are calling, you know, Citibank and saying, how many thousand houses can you sell us? But I'm sending letters to 4,000 people who own a house but don't live, their residential address isn't that address. And telling them, hey, maybe you want to sell your house to me. And some percentage of them says, wow, I'm sure glad you found me. I really don't want this thing anymore. I, I don't live there. I live in North Dakota, not in Ohio. I want to sell it right now. How much will you give me? Mm -hmm. so there, there's all kinds of ways to find motivated sellers uh, that those large players won't, won't ever find. There's always right, deals. So, that, so that's on the residential side. We, we, right. we but let's now go into the other areas, kind of right. more commercial side. What are some industries and how can people lend in that industry? So this is, a, uh, I think, a really interesting situation that's kind of always existed. As long as there's been business, there's been people who have some resources and will privately directly lend to other people who need money. All right. Since the beginning of money, the beginning of currency, uh, there's always been money lenders. Uh, they've been vilified and in cartoons and in illustrations for ages and ages. But the fact of the matter is that the world has always needed the movement of capital, and it hasn't always happened only as a result of big formalized institutions, otherwise known as banks. And I have nothing against banks, by the way. God bless them. Fantastic to have a bank in your, uh, in your backyard. But um, many small and medium-sized business people cannot access bank capital for all of the needs that they have. Maybe they have a large business credit line. Maybe they're able to get bank financing to buy the building where their, uh, where their car dealership is going, but they need to build an addition uh, and the bank won't lend them money for that. Or they need to you know, do something in their restaurant that the bank won't lend money for. There are many, many ways that the small investor a person who has a few hundred thousand dollars that they want to put to work or has a bunch of equity in their home or equity in some rental properties that they can tap by getting a line of credit <clears throat> or a person who learns to agglomerate other people's capital and put it to work meaningfully can make money and provide real value in the marketplace. Um, so what are some specific kinds of businesses? What are some specific businesses that sure. might need that capital? So let's talk about manufacturing. Let's say a guy has a small stamping plant or a small finishing plant or a, a, a steel polishing operation or a cutting mill, and um, he's getting a big job in and needs twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to be able to pay the people to do the work in order to uh, produce the job and bill it. I know a lot of... Uh, small-time investors who lend money to people like that to basically finance their operation of a job. Uh, let's say somebody uh, managed to get Walmart to agree to buy their little widget or to buy their little special brush or their little crazy uh, T-shirt that they're making or something. But now Walmart says, good, send us 400,000 pieces and we'll pay you six weeks later. Well, they need the money to make those 400,000 pieces. 
printers that have the ability to pick up a nice big job but can't bill for it till after they have to buy the paper they have to buy the ink they have to pay for their people so Th these all, are unsecured loans then i mean they're secured by receivables i guess but they're not secured by something collateral that you could seize if they don't pay you sometimes you can file what's called a ucc filing a filing based on the universe uniform commercial code uh and you can have the ability to attach factory equipment or supplies or materials I know people that lend in the jewelry industry. It's pretty risky because that, that product can move around very easily and it's sort of unseen. Uh, there are people that lend to, uh, to use car dealers. There's a, a fantastic business lending to the people that buy used cars at auction, turn around, fix them up, and sell them in their lots. Uh, there are people that I, I know some lawyers who love to lend to restaurants. Cleveland is a big restaurant town. All these fancy chefs are coming here and opening cool restaurants. But all of them, very few people know that most of those fancy restaurants that we see downtown and in the nice parts of town, most of those restaurants were built with private investor capital to a large degree. Not because the they could, a bank isn't willing to take a risk on them is what you're saying. That's right. Applebee's is one thing. But I'm talking about the private chef restaurants. Mm -hmm. So there's little groups of private investors that put their money together and they, uh, they lend to these restaurants and they get a piece of the action. They might get free dinners for a long time and they might uh, own a little percentage of the restaurant. They might get what we call a pref or a preferred return, meaning the first profit that comes from the place, they get a piece of it. So is there this something many, many that you, you help people do through freelance lending? You help people find those opportunities to invest in these small businesses? Well, I educate people about that. That that particular area, we do not broker or arrange uh, business lending, um, but we, we do educate people. I do educate people through coaching uh, about that kind of capital deployment. Um, it kind of sounds like crowdfunding today in a certain way. It, it, it actually is. Crowdfunding is sort of the modern technology-driven uh, outgrowth of that sort of thing. And there, obviously there's always been people that lent money to open a hospital. You know, the Rothschilds lent money to governments, you know, when they couldn't get it from banks. Um, there, there's always people that lend money. Uh, there are many, many industries where this kind of capital is really, really appropriate. Certainly the hardware store business, any business that's, that's uh, inventory intensive at a particular time of the year, retail businesses, um, anybody who's launching a, um, Anybody who's launching any kind of bioscience or technology product, there are people and there are groups. In fact, there are investor groups and angel investor groups uh, that get together and meet every month. And they talk about the different bioscience projects that, that they're looking at. There, I, I know a heart surgeon who's made lots and lots and lots of money investing money, not just lending, but investing money in uh, bioscience. But you need some expertise to be able to know what's real and what isn't, which the average well, person might exactly not Well, that's exactly right. And so I highly recommend the guy who invests in restaurant restaurants should either just like to take a flyer or like food or be a restaurateur who's successful. The guy who – I have a friend who owned a couple of uh, auto repair shops, and he lends money to manufacturers. He understands how those machines work. He kind of knows the time cycle. He's worked with those kinds of guys his whole career. He knows what it is, and he knows how he can get paid. Good. All right, well, we have to sum up here. So kind of we've talked about a lot of strategies. We've talked about buying homes and rehabbing them and renting them all different kinds of ways of lending money. This may seem a little scary to people, so why don't you kind of reassure them that this is all learnable and uh, can make a big difference in their financial lives instead of having their money sitting in a, a bank CD earning zero per day. Well, right, but I, what I think is really scary for people is that they're 65, 68, 72 years old. They've spent most of their career, Jordan, uh, expecting that that 600,000 million, million and a half is going to keep them in the current lifestyle that they've enjoyed for the last 10 years. 
and they realize at 2% or a percent and a half, they're not getting anywhere. I think that's the most scary thing. I, I think what you need to do, folks, uh, is get out, uh, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your box a little bit. Growth begins at the edge of your comfort zone and take a look at something that you're comfortable with. You can't do everything. Don't try all things at once. Pick an area that we've talked about that appeals to you, that looks sensible, where you can sort of fig feel it out and figure it out a little bit. And then try looking for one opportunity to invest some money, maybe co-invest with someone else, maybe work with someone who's got some money in a deal and do one and then another. another. And uh, Jordan, you're welcome to give my contact information. People can certainly send me an email and I'll be happy to coach them through it. Yeah. So your email is brian at starkworld.com. Tell easy. people a little bit about the education that you offer both online and in in-face seminars. What kind sure. of education do you offer? Sure. Well, Freeland Lending is affiliated with Strategic Real Estate Coach. We have fantastic products to help people learn the real estate business. You can go to 40kflips.com or freedomfunding.com and learn about our real estate education. You can send an email directly to me, brian at starkworld.com. I coach people directly. I work with you one-on-one -on -one and help you select exactly what's right for you, where to invest your money. I help you underwrite, originate, safely secure your money, safely make uh, sensible decisions, and learn what's going to work, what feels good for you. If, if it doesn't feel good, it's never going to work. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Brian Stark. He's a principal at Freeland Lending, which is based in Cleveland. Their website is freelandlending.com. You can also write an email to brian at brian at starkworld.com. We learned an awful lot about real estate today. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Brian. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.